Hey, what's up, friends? Mike Myers here with the Songwriting for Guitar podcast, episode number 11, part one of my interview with the Bomb Pops. This episode, Gen Pop. In this episode, I'm going to talk to one of the founders, singer-guitarist Jen Pop. She's going to give her perspective on meeting Polly, co-founding the band, what songwriting looked like in the early days, and how her guitar playing has transformed over time. So here we go, episode number 11, part one of my interview with the Bomb Pops, Jen Pop. My dad played guitar not super seriously, um, but there was always a guitar around. And I just remember getting into music and uh, wanting to play guitar. And it was convenient because uh, my dad had a few guitars. And, you know, so I started playing and taking some guitar lessons. And then coincidentally, around the same time, like maybe a few weeks after I started playing guitar, I guess I must have been 12 when this happened. No, Mm -hmm. I don't know, 11 or 12. But um, I went to my first real concert, which was Blink-182 and Bad Religion. Bad Religion opening for Blink-182. Oh, damn. (laughs) What year was that? 2001. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. 2000. 2000. May 11th, 2000. Like, I always remember. (laughs) So, you know, 20 (laughs) years ago. And um, so I remember wanting to play guitar, then taking lessons, and then going to my first concert and seeing that. And Blink-182 was my favorite band, of course, you know, just knowing exactly in that moment, like, that's what I'm doing. I'm going to do that. (laughs) So a pretty pretty distinct moment in time for me. I, I love that because I think it's John Lennon. He said he was watching, like, growing up, the movies and he saw like an Elvis movie and Elvis was like playing and singing and people are screaming and he was like, that's a good job. Yeah. I should do that. And I mean, when you, it, it, the same thing, like when I, th- especially that era that you talk about like 2000, I remember listening to Blink-22 and being like, shit, they're really cool. They are really cool right now. And just like, you know, I lowered my guitar down insanely low. The same thing as Tom and tried to like, I think I tried to get through dude ranch and enema of the state. Not success, not well, but I was able to kind of get through it. Well, I think it's like interesting because I started playing at that time. So uh, to me, I was like, that's the only way I'm going to wear my guitar. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, so, um, and there's definitely, you know, you develop a stance um, and you develop mic technique for singing live by how, you know, whatever your rock stance is. And (laughs) I've brought it up several notches since, but I still like to sling it relatively low i don't know it's just there's such a statement in that to me and um i think you can get used to playing any way you know it's funny when they teach you how to play guitar it's like oh you hold you know properly uh i don't know i had one teacher be like if you're playing and you have your knee up like this it's like the dorkiest thing ever it's like no you don't that's not how you play guitar (laughs) please don't ever play guitar I remember there, I think it's like this one book is like classical and it's this guy with like a turtleneck and he has his arm up and then he's got his, his seat and it's just like, yeah, I don't think that's the way I want to play guitar. That is not how I want to play. Yeah. And like your long fingernails on one hand, it's like how, you know, I don't know. It's just that that stance and that turtleneck and the long fingernails. I don't know. There's nothing more, um, but then how did it feel taking uh, private uh, lessons? Like you have this one thing where you're listening to punk rock and then suddenly was it, was it a great experience or was it like that kind of like, eh, I'm doing this because I really want to learn the instrument, but this... Uh, well, no. um, it was a mixture. I think 
Um, I feel very fortunate that I, as a kid at that age, I was like, oh, I want to do this. I had a guitar. It's not like I had to go out and be like, oh, can I get a guitar? Or there was the guitar there. Then I went to the first concert and I wasn't into a whole lot of sports and I hated whatever Girl Scouts and all that. My mom hated taking me to all that stuff too. And she, (laughs) I I liked soccer. I was actually really great at soccer, but my mom didn't enjoy that whole shuffle at all. So she kind of was like, eh. So when I got into wanted to do guitar lessons, she's like, that is great. I can do that. You know, (laughs) and she would take me there. And, um, I was, I always wanted her to stay there with me. And it was something it's like kind of weird to talk about now, but it's, you would, I had several guitar teachers. Um, the first one I had, I, what, he was so great and he was young. He was cute. His name was Travis. Travisky or something. And he, you know, was in college and, so that one I felt okay with, but over the course I would, I got, I went through a few teachers and they were, they were always older, like old dudes. And I really wanted my mom there. I don't know. There was something about me not wanting to be alone in a room with like a guy, yeah. especially like an older <laughs> guy. And I one one of my teachers as we got, and I got used to, you know, he was a great teacher. There's nothing against him. I don't know. I just had that thing. And him. <laughs> They was like, you know what? Your mom can sit right outside the door. I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no. um, So yeah, the first guitar teacher I had, super cute and kind of had a crush on him. But at the same time, he said the same thing as the next guitar teacher I had. But it's just like, I just want to play Blink-182 in Green Day. And they're like, that's great. You can do that. But we're not going to, you don't get to do that first. Like first you need to know a few other things, you know, and so I did do some classical guitar. I think I had two teachers at, at one point with that and uh, had a classical guitar class. So I was reading music, sheet music and playing with three other people. And it was a kind of, it was a, another guy my age and then two older guys. And that was cool. And then um, a teacher that was kind of teaching me like blues riffs and, yeah. and, and scales and stuff like that. And so... And I'm really thankful for that journey rather than some kid being like, yeah, here you go. This is how you play <laughs> Josie. So they, they they did make me learn quite a bit of guitar. And I think that that made me a better player overall. At what point did you go, okay, cool. Now I need to be in a band and now I have to write songs. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> so it, it's, it's had an interesting journey with it because I, again, I'm fortunate for being that age and learning guitar because I think you can learn how to do so many things at that age, which A, you don't have fear. You don't have like this thing of, oh, I'm doing it wrong. I'm messing up. I think you develop a lot of that later um, yeah. and being more embarrassed. And um, so I spent a lot of time in my room playing guitar every day, just learning what they wanted me to learn, whether it was the classical guitar and um the, the scales and whatever songs they were having me learn. But then when I reached high school, like freshman year, I still was taking guitar lessons. But like halfway through freshman year, I really got distracted with, I don't know, social life and wanting to hang out and do other things. And I still always played guitar and I took lessons. But a couple of things happened, um, you know, being distracted by having a social life, but also trying to play in bands with people and it never really was a thing. I never, I didn't know any other girls that played guitar. So I was kind of told, I mean, not told, but wanted to start bands with um, people in middle school and high school. And nobody really wanted to play with a girl. It was definitely a thing. I remember playing in one band in eighth grade and we, we just covered like Pennywise songs. <laughs> <laughs> and we called ourselves Split Nation. 
And I'm still really good friends with um, one of the guys uh, that was in that band. It wasn't really a band. And he's now in a band called Starving Wolves. And we've played with them. And it's really cool to see that he's still playing music. But, um, you know, as soon as I... They, the singer couldn't stay stand and sing and play guitar at the same time. So I played guitar. As soon as he learned how to stand and play guitar and sing, they, they kicked me out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it was a lot of that. So um, to answer your question, I didn't really start writing my own songs until like the end of senior year. And really after high school is when I got the urge to kind of really get back into, you know, it's like, what am, what am I doing? I'm going to sing seeing live bands every weekend. My whole life is listening to bands. I just need to be in a band and I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to find people to play with. You know, especially when it comes to punk rock, where there's certain like female friend bands that you were like, like I think of the Donna's Tsunami Bomb. Were there certain ones that kind of inspired you a little bit? So, you know, that's a question that we get asked a lot and there weren't. I just, I definitely loved No Doubt in a sense that I love Tragic Kingdom. I just absolutely think Gwen Stefani is an icon and I've always given like a nod to her style ever since I can first remember, you know, being into having a style, but I never thought of them as an influence. And I also didn't avidly listen to no doubt. So the answer is no. It's like, yes, I, I, the distillers were a cool band to me, but I never actively listened to them. Um, neither tsunami bomb or tilt Donna's, I didn't, you know, I just wanted to be in a band like Blink-182, Green Day, No Effects, Descendants, Bad Religion. Those are the bands. And it wasn't like that it was a female-fronted band or not. It's just like, those are the bands that I liked. So I never saw it that way. And that's, the, so when people ask that question, it's like, no, it really wasn't. It was just a person wanting to play guitar and liking this genre. Yeah. That kind of did it for me. So you start writing songs. At what point do you start going out and playing shows? And it's like you start f writing these songs and how do you assemble a band? Yeah, so I had started writing songs, um, my own songs, end of high school, that summer after high school. And I played with a few friends, but nothing really stuck. And really the first band I was ever in was the Bomb Pops. And Polly will probably had tell you a very similar version <laughs> but um i met her when there was a rehearsal studio slash guitar uh lessons place this guy had a studio you could pay hourly to practice there he also gave guitar lessons so at that time when i met polly she was much she is five years younger than me so she was taking guitar lessons i was paying hourly with a few friends to jam in this room and yeah. it was nothing serious but that's when I met her and I remember seeing her and she was maybe one of the only other girls I ever saw play guitar and she was so cute she was playing a red uh warlock bc rich warlock guitar and I'm like what is this girl <laughs> <laughs> and she must have been like 14 at the time so then she had a band with the guitar teacher. So the guitar teacher had a band with the students and he wrote all the songs and it was 80s hair metal. Like he loved Cinderella. And no, yeah. really? <laughs> so he had these songs that were like crazy the, to play. And they uh, didn't have a bass player at one point and I was always hanging around there. So he asked me if I would play bass and I wasn't a bass player, 
but I just wanted to play in a band, you know? So yeah. I played bass and they were really, the songs were so technical and so difficult. It made me a really great player. And I, the way that those songs were written on bass were kind of like more like guitar. And she was playing guitar and it was just, I mean, it really both got both of our chops up. But after a while, just I was not into the music at all. And there was some kind of like tension between the teacher and the people playing. And I took Polly aside and was like, hey, this is a song I wrote. Why don't we start a band like this? And she was way into it. And I gave her, um, I burned her some some CDs. She hadn't heard a lot of the stuff that I listened was yeah. listening to at the time. Like I remember burning her um, a Melancholy CD and Thrice and AFI, mm. No Use for a Name. And she just soaked it all up. And then she came back with the song. And so that's when we decided to just do our own thing. I can't believe there was a guitar teacher that was assembling his own and being like, these are the songs I've written. <laughs> Go forth. And it's just like these, almost like he's like, I'm assembling this army. It's like, no, play this more. And it's just crazy. It was. Oh. He, he definitely was assembling his army, but he he was really cool too. And he always, always like, this isn't going to be your guys' thing. You guys are going to go on and do your own things. He, he was actually really cool. What was the band? Did he give it a band name? Yeah, um, they were, <laughs> but I, like when I joined, it was the Vodka Dolls. Wow. <laughs> and we were playing like dive bars. And keep in mind, Polly was barely 16. So I met her when she was first 14. Yeah. And I kind of was like perving on her because I was like, that's, she's such a cute girl. Like, I'm really <laughs> like, I want to start a band with her. But I was at the time like 19, you know, like she's too young to hang out with. And I remember the day she rolled up in a, truck and i was like oh she's 16 she can drive now like now i'm gonna talk to that girl <laughs> oh my goodness uh so at what point did you realize like oh my god we're collaborating and this feels really good like i think this could be a really good band it was immediately like after i showed her the song that i wrote i remember we were at band practice and we went in my car i showed her the song that i wrote and she loved it and then I gave her some CDs. And then the next week I met up with her and she had written a song and I, and I loved her song. And we just started practicing those songs. And um, I think she did a lead over the song that I wrote and I did a lead over the song that she wrote. And it was instant. I'm pretty sure, like, I know it was instant the moment that we showed each other our own songs. And so we would spend, um, we spent about like six months writing songs together before we really started to get a band together. So her and I, it's just so weird because I was out of high school, but yeah. she was like freshman, sophomore at the time, I guess. And then she started to drive. And so I would always, I felt like I was still in high school. I'd, like, I'd go to her house or she'd come to my house and um, I, we would smoke a lot of weed and um, play guitar for hours. And it was really, really cool. I had never had that with anyone before in my life. And till this day, she's really, I mean, it's not till recently that I started writing and collaborating with other people, but Polly's like, I mean, her and I are ride or die song writers together for sure. That is so cool. Especially that process for like six months where you just write. Like that's yeah. all you have to do. And that's where it's like, did you feel like with each song too, it was just like they were progressing. Like you guys were like, vi you were feeding off each other. You would see something she would do and be like, I need to do that. And it's oh, almost like sure. you guys were back and forth. 
Yeah, we just d- developed our own language, I think, together. And we <laughs> definitely developed strumming, the strumming pattern. It wasn't until we started getting together with Neil, who is our bass player now. He'd be like, you guys have the weirdest... Uh, we would strum kind of like, I mean, I can't even explain it, but we had an interesting strumming pattern that we were locked into, her and I. It like seemed like it was a bit more work than we needed to be doing for playing punk. Um, yeah. It's so hard to like explain without over the, you know, without <laughs> visually doing it. But, um, you know, and that was just our thing. We've always been that. We've always had this like understanding of, um, you know, you're playing this. Okay, well, cool. I'm going to try this thing. Then you write these songs, you collaborate. Neil comes in and then... When is your first show? When is the Bomb Pops' very first show? Well, so Neil, first I have to take it back. Neil wasn't in the band till many years later after Polly and I started jamming. So taking it back to when Polly and I were, you know, spent about six months writing songs together in our in our bedrooms, we decided to do our first show at her Battle of the Bands. So in high school, and which was so cool for me because I went to the Battle of the Bands at my high school every year, and I never. Yeah got to play and I don't remember one girl playing and battle of the bands at my high school so um for me again it was like oh man I gotta do this it wasn't my high school you know and I wasn't in high school but <laughs> I felt really fucking good to go out there and play that and yeah we won that battle of the bands and then um so that was our first show and that was um the drummer that I he was a good friend of mine from high school who I met him because he played a battle of the bands at my high school. And I remember being like, I want to be like those guys' friends, you know? So I <laughs> introduced myself and then we were friends. We're still friends. So he, he was the original drummer of the Bomb Pops. And so he played that show with us. And then we just found a guy that was in, I was in a recording arts class at community college and yeah. some guy played bass. And then we had several bass players since then. And... Um, that drummer was with us for a long time, but the lineup as we have it now, uh, Neil and Josh, both together in the band around 2012. I feel like that's the story of every band. It's like you find a bassist for a while. Do you play bass? Yeah, cool. You're in. And then suddenly over time, you find the bassist that you need. Yeah. It's just like it evolves. For us, it was. I think there's a lot of bands that can. Now, I think if Paulie and I had been like, you play bass and I play guitar, like I think it would have been, you know, obviously we would have stuck together in that way but we both really wanted to play guitar and I'm, I'm, I'm glad we both do you know and then eventually as you guys are starting to play shows do you I feel like bands un- feel that there's you know as something grows where it's like oh this is actually something that's more than just like a this is taking off a little bit when did you feel like this was starting to be really bigger than you realized you know we ever since we played that battle of the first battle of the bands I mean we were we then went on and played shows all the time. We never stopped playing shows. I mean, I think we were playing shows every week, you know, at whatever dive bar or backyard thing or venue. We were playing all the time. So we were playing and we weren't great by any means, but it got us up on stage playing. So um, I don't know. We always just felt like ever since that first show that it was, I don't know that that feeling ever went away. Like, I think that that feeling that was at that first show, we felt every time we played a show to some certain extent. Because I think we were both like, no, we're doing this, you know, and our goal, like, we had the goal to play open for no effects. Like, that was our goal, you know? It's like, and the long-term goal was always, let's be on fat records. And 
in a way, yeah, of course, when you we, <laughs> we opened up for Bad Religion very early on, that I remember being like, well, if nothing ever happens other than this, like this is the coolest thing we ever do. I can say that I did everything I wanted to do being in a band, <laughs> but um, it just kept happening. So yeah, I don't know that there was a moment when like, this is when it's happening. Uh, maybe in the last year when we wrote this record, I think that yeah. was the moment when we were like, oh shit, like we're <laughs> going to fucking do so much rad shit now. And then we didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so. yeah, pandemic right now aside, but you guys put out like, how does the recording process, you know, from the last record, you know, think of subsequent records that you've done, you're playing. How did this time feel a little bit different? You know, well, the, our basic process has always been this. Polly writes her songs. I write my songs. And when I say that, it might not be a finished song, but it's like I have the meat and potatoes of my my lyrics, my story my melody, my, uh, usually the key, but like uh, very open to changing keys, but not, I come to a lot of the songs on this album to the table with more open as what's the vibe going to be. I, this is how it goes. I don't want to lose the melody. Um, I, I, I really, I want to play this chord progression. This is the main thing. And I don't want to lose any of these lyrics, but if this needs to be a faster, like skate punk song, or is this more med tempo? Is this um, an acoustic ballad? Like I'm kind of open. I left them purposely open and not married to how they were going. And I think Polly did as well. Now I have like a natural thing where I, I feel like um, I kind of want this to be like a Rise Against style vibe, you know, or something like that. Or this has a very trio vibe, like not to like ripping off any bands, but the pace, like some kind of delivery or it's spacious. Maybe there's not much guitar on it and other things are driving it. So I think coming into that, uh, being able to mold these songs so that we, we both wanted to make a record that was um, like diverse and had a flow. I and gotcha. so if we're yeah. married to these idea of like, well, I have two skate punk songs and I've got all my songs are mid tempo or like, well, I've got an acoustic, this has to be an acoustic ballad. You know, we would run into conflicts. And I think that we, that's something that we learned together being like, no, we need to make the best album. We need to do what's best for the song. And then there's more likely that your song is going to get on the album and my song is going to get on the album. And we wanted to like have an equal balance, but it's also been like, well, we're neither of us have been like, you know, if someone's songs, are more like poly present album or vice versa. We're not bummed. Like we just want to make the best album that we can. And, you know, this one is completely equal in terms of that. You know, that's why we worked with two producers on this album. So that was another reason why this album was a bit different um, in terms of one of the producers we worked with, Chris Fogel. He also worked on Fear of Missing Out, which was our first Fat Records release. This time we also brought in Yo Tom Ben Horan. And so we purposely didn't do a whole lot of jamming as a band with these songs before we went into the studio because what happens is you kind of get married and you get demoitis mm. and people start writing their parts. But it's true. The idea of like you're, that people are like, no, 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 no. That's not how it was done in the demo. Yes. And it's like, it doesn't have to be the way that it was done in the demo. And at that point, why have two producers, you know, because. Yeah. And so we because we had a before we started recording, we were in Denver at Black and Bloom, which is Chris Fogel's studio, where we also recorded Fear of Missing Out. 
and Yotam flew out with us, we had a whole week of pre-pro. And that was, we spent, you know, the first, maybe I think two to three days going over everything. And we came in there with like 18 songs. Now for the songwriting process for you, just before we move on, I'm, yeah. I'm curious, what goes, is it melody or do you find it's a combination of melody and these words and lyrics that kind of form, like they start out as like not fully fledged words, but just like, I don't know, just like a phrasing that you're like, ah, oh, this is what's kind of in my head. Or is it, or is it like words? For me, it's words. It's like, it is words that drive me to even pick up a guitar to write a song. And usually those words have a vibe attached to them in my mind. <laughs> and then I'll pick up and, you know, start playing a chord. And, it, and once, once I kind of like make that first initial thing, it stays in that area, you know, like the first initial mm -hmm. thing. Now it'll, it'll change. Like my melody will change. And, but yeah, the words, I can't get excited about writing a song. I can't even sit down to try to write a song if I don't have a vibe, not, not even vibe, like words. Now, a lot of times it'll start with a very small, like one phrase. Recently on Death in Venice Beach, I started with more than just a phrase, like, because I, I wrote, a lot, like actually writing like down lyrics and not journaling, but just writing a bunch. And so, and, and when we were on tour, I did more writing than I have ever done on tour. And so I had, this was a different process for me because I had pages and pages and pages of thoughts. And a lot of them are complete garbage or nonsense and even hard to read back, but I would go through, read back, underline things that I liked put them together and then be like, okay, I really like this. And I, and I can still feel this thing, this phrase, and that's what I'm going to build a song off of. And so I sit down and once I go off of that phrase or those a group of phrases or a few lines, and then most of the time, if I have something I really love, writing a melody becomes really easy. And just it is like a, a a compliment or to to the the lyrics. So oh, okay. and that's really exciting. It's super exciting when I'm like, oh my gosh, I have these lyrics that I love. I've got just a little nugget. I yeah. can write a whole song based off of a little nugget because then the rest of the story, and especially when you're in that that space, I can see it everywhere. I can walk outside and see something, and then be like, and then tie it in. Maybe write the second verse. Because you're oh, just so wrapped cool. in it. It's sometimes when you're writing a song too, it feels like it, someone described it as like an archaeologist where it's like, I'm just like unearthing this thing and I don't know where it's coming from. Like I, I, there's this little bit, but then over time, suddenly I see more of this, more of this, and it feels like it just happens. Yeah, it present, it, 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 that's a great analogy because um, I totally have experienced that and I experienced that a lot with the songs that I wrote for Death in Venice Beach and the ones that, you know, were bits and pieces that didn't make it on the album. And, uh, but they weren't just like developed enough. I still brought them in and Polly mm -hmm. had some that she still brought in. And I just think that they didn't get as much attention because I, there was a lot of them. We both had a lot of songs. Yeah. It's really, I love when I have that brain is turned on because it's not turned on for me all of the time. <laughs> and um, sometimes I think it's important to practice that mm -hmm. muscle. Like I'll sit down and try to write or pull from stuff that I've written or journaled and pick up a guitar and it just doesn't hit. And I don't force it too much. 
and what happens in those sessions, like sessions, um, it's like a personal session. Instead, I just focus on playing the guitar and like experimenting with the guitar. And so it's okay if a song ends up just being a song. Like its whole purpose was for you to just like, cool, I practiced writing a song. And that was it. That was the purpose. And yeah, right. That's a funny thing because I'm like, it's not a song if it wasn't good enough to like (laughs) put it on the album. And it's like, you're, you're totally right. And I, I, that's a, a good reminder because um, I think people who write or create really are harder on themselves than they need to be. And, um, you know, writing that song led you to a different thing, right? Or Absolutely. I think we're always hard on ourselves because, you know, when someone else goes, hey, I wrote uh, these songs, we go, dude, that's amazing. And then when we do it, we're just like, oh, fuck, I only wrote 30. They're not that good. It's yeah. just like... <laughs> We would totally give the other person praise, but ourselves, we're just like, huh? Yeah, we were so hard on ourselves. (laughs) But um, yeah, I don't like this is, I got excited um, really to talk about too. I have had such a, so much growth since Death in Venice Beach was a lot of growth for me. Um, But also that record coming out on Friday, March 13th of 2020 and our tour and our record release show getting canceled the day that our album came out. I mean, our album came out the day that LA shut everything down. But I still had that brain turned on from Death in Venice Beach. And so I have played more guitar in this time than I have consistently in a long time. I think actually since starting to like getting inspired to starting writing songs for Death in Venice Beach was like the end, like January of 2019 really yeah. is when I just was like, oh, we're going to write a record. And like, I just felt it. I could, everything around me was inspiring and um, it never really turned off. Um, but my direction switched during quarantine. I started just really getting into playing around on the guitar in ways that I hadn't before. And that is playing because all we can do is play acoustic. <laughs> I would always write songs with power chords, you know, because that's like, oh, these are going to be bomb pop songs. So I'm going to write it, yeah. it, you know. And so now I've been like really going for just open chords and play- I never played with a capo before ever until COVID. And so now I'm just like, oh man, it's so fun. And like, I'm like, addicted to this learning music in a way that, I mean, I don't feel like I've felt this way since I first started picking up the guitar. And I, I just bought a keyboard and I've never played keyboard or piano yeah yeah. but i understand through playing through like i've been like transcribing a lot of bomb pop songs to play on all these live streams we've been doing i have a patreon where i play once a month a live acoustic set and to keep that like having enough material i've been learning covers and also sharing my writing process on there of stuff that i've been writing as well as transcribing like bomb pop songs so that they're acoustic and that I can play them, you know, with open chords. And that made me want to get a keyboard. It's like, oh man, I understand so much more (laughs) about music by doing that. And like, now I want to play around with melodies, a keyboard just to write, you know, just Just for the sake of rediscovering your instrument. And when you throw a capo and you're like, a capo isn't just a way to play chord, open chords easier. It's like, I can do all these cool voicings suddenly. And it's just suddenly like I'm playing the same, you know, I'm playing in the same key that I would do with power chords, but now I'm getting these different flavors from it. And it sounds different. It feels different. And it's like, you get really excited about a song that you've done for a while, 
but you see it in a completely different direction. I think that suddenly opens the door to like your instrument and you're like, holy shit. It's just like, you've been looking at a tree, but then suddenly you're like, I'm in a forest. Right. And yeah. you're like, God damn, this is, and that's what's kind of cool about voicings. Like you can get into like things with like roots and thirds and suddenly it's just like, this is real. And especially for what you're doing, as you said, to keep things and, you know, keep accumulating material that you, this may end up affecting like certain how you write a little bit and suddenly this pulls into different things. And that's where your songs just get seem to get better because you've just been growing with your instrument. It totally and I feel it and it's super exciting. And Polly and I have um we were all very quarantined for a long time. And um Polly especially, I mean I was, but Polly especially, she's type one diabetic and um, you know, high risk. You just she there's just no wanting, even if she got sick for just anything and had to go to the hospital. It's not good right now to have to go to the hospital. And she does have to go to the hospital sometimes because of her diabetes. So we were very aware of like not getting together, but, um, we started to a couple months ago and now we really are getting together every week to go over, like we want to do an acoustic live stream with songs, but, um, I've been showing her a couple of things that I was doing. And then she's also, playing bomb pops songs because she's done a lot of live streams too and like differently and we've had this discussion last time that we met up which was last week where um you know some of the songs off the new record i've played them a bunch acoustic and she's played them a bunch acoustic but we haven't played them together right so yeah. i'm like okay when i play dearly departed on the live stream where it's just me like i've got a thing down and it feels good but when i play that acoustic version with her it like almost doesn't give as much beef because it's like we're more inclined to like play it the way that we would with the band, right? Yeah. So we we really dissected some stuff last week. Um, we started with her, her song "Double Arrows Down," and man, we got we got super moody with it. And it's like she's playing it, um, you know how she plays it with a band, and I put a capo on and my guitar, and it's like we just discovered this. Well, again, I'm just like discovering like, well, if we put it here, we could do this, you know, <laughs> well, I can't explain my process. Well, I know what you're, but it's like, it's how it feels. And if you guys are playing in two different voicings, especially if you're doing acoustic, like if one is like super low and boomy and the other one is like a little bit higher, it's almost like your ear is getting different tones that you want to hear and it's full and it sounds badass. And you're just like, shit, this is it. Oh my God. Yeah. We had that discovery a lot. Cause we, we, we never really played a whole lot acoustic. Cause we just, we were touring so much and the thing of like getting together to like, and we would practice all the time, the whole time we've been a band, we've always practiced consistently. And so to get together to like practice acoustic has never been a like priority for us. And so, I mean, I, I think it kind of was like, get a hit up for acoustic shows and be like, yeah, no, like we got to practice for that because we don't do it, you know? So, yeah. um, this is a perfect opportunity and it feels really nice because there's no pressure. There's not, it's not like we have an acoustic tour coming up or some crazy live stream we have to practice for. We're just doing it to do it. And in a way it feels like how we were together when we first started writing songs, you know, um, because we're discovering, guitar again together in a different way. And it's really fun. It's been really cool. Like I look forward to it every week. Because it's, yeah, it's just reignited what you felt before. And it's like, oh, it's almost just the reminder. Like, yeah, it is pandemic, but like you're still in a band. You enjoyed 
when you guys started and guess what? It's still going to continue. It's, it just evolves in different things that you guys get excited about and it's voicings, which I think is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. I mean, I, I like, we both got so stoked, particularly when we like worked on that last week, we we're like, wow, this is cool. Like, cause we thought, and we had been practicing, but it had kind of been like standard the way that the songs are written. And then once we did that, we're like, nope, let's, let's take all these songs and let's do them. <laughs> let's like explore with them more. Cause why not? We have time. And if we want to do this well, or, or do this, you know, maybe a few live streams and break it up, like, let's make it awesome. Let's get, let's like make these, give these songs a different life, you know? I love it. That's so cool. So uh, what things do you guys have going on? So you got a couple live streams coming up? Well, we don't have one, um, but we want to do like, we. Ha so we have done like a few here and there mm -hmm. and they were pretty like frequent, like in the beginning of COVID and we were even getting together. So she'd do songs, I do songs. Then we did a few things together, but no, so we don't have anything coming up, but <laughs> we want to practice and we want to like, do a full live stream with her and I acoustic and where it's kind of like us together having a good time playing. And that's what we do. Like, that's what our live shows are like. You know, I think we, our personality and our friendship is able to transcend from the stage to the audience. Like we want to project that. And so yeah. it, it'd be like a, kind of like a hangout session with us, but we're going to play songs. And, um, so that's it. And then, you know, we've, we did, um, we were hosted, uh, well, not host interviews and sort of emceeing some stuff at Weekend at Fatty's, which aired on Saturday. Uh, sorry, I'm not sure when this show airs, but um, it aired on September 19th. And we also played a few acoustic songs, but that was one of the things where we barely practiced. And then um, we got together and we're like, okay, let's do, let's start like working on a real acoustic act for us and um because there's a lot of opportunities to do it and so hopefully uh, i think fat mike may or may not do <laughs> another weekend at fatties but hopefully we can either play live with the full band or host or something but like again to answer your question we don't have anything <laughs> <laughs> but you have an album people can go buy we you have an have album that. yes we have that and um one of the fun things that's about uh, our band that we've done with this album and the previous album is making music videos and we did three for the first three singles so we're gonna get back and make more music videos that's a priority for us because that is kind of more fun and it's a lot of work but playing like a full band live stream i'm sure that we'll do one at some point but I, we've all kind of agreed that we'd rather spend the time making more music videos because it's it's an, also another way to give these songs new life. There's a visual yeah. representation and there's a visual story to tell. And it might not be exactly what the song is about, but there's elements of it that are in there. And that, that's really fun for us. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, Jen, thank you so much for talking about your process and just your new love of guitar. I think this is fucking awesome the fact that you're getting into voicings and just that new approach and just it it should be inspiring to others when they feel kind of like stagnant with their instrument they're like oh, i guess this is it you you just got your voice just went from you were excited about the band but when you were talking about like oh my god i've just like discovered rediscovered my guitar is well, amazing that's why i got when i 
you hit me up for this podcast, I got really excited because it's been my, that has been the most exciting thing for me musically during this time is falling in love with the guitar in a whole nother way with, with acoustic guitar and my own understanding. And yeah, I got really excited to talk about that. So <laughs> it was a perfect time to uh, be on your podcast. Well, thank you so much for doing this because this was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Um, you know, I like to also use my guitar playing as a reward for myself. So at the end of the day, <laughs> like I'll working from home, you know, you have to be organized and structured and it's kind of hard to do. So I'm like, get up, do all my stuff, work. And then once I'm done working, like my reward is to be able to sit down and play guitar. So oh, looking forward so to it good. tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Jen was super sweet, and I absolutely loved hearing her story of discovering guitar again, being passionate about it because she was unlocking all these new things. And if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm a songwriting guitarist that just seems to write the same song over and over. I'm getting the same melodies. Well, guess what? You've got other melodies in your head. You just need to find the right voicings to unlock it. Just head on over to songwritingforguitar.com, scroll down, and hit the quick start guide button. I'm going to give you four super helpful voicings that will jumpstart your songwriting. That's all for this episode. Remember, part two of the Bomb Pops interview with Polly Van Dam is coming out. This episode was edited and produced by Chris Fafalius. I'm Mike Myers. Until next time.